This is Chad Livengood, Senior Editor at Crane's Detroit Business, and you're listening to the Crane's Conversation Podcast. This is an unprecedented week in Michigan history and U.S. history as the coronavirus uh, is spreading rapidly uh, across our state and our country. Uh, it, is, it is having untold effects on business and commerce as the governor has ordered the shutdown of many uh, public-facing businesses to try to mitigate the spread of this, of this disease, which is now claimed three lives when we're recording this podcast here at uh, 11 a.m. on Thursday, March 19th. The state is reporting over 110 uh, cases of confirmed coronavirus and testing is is rapidly increasing right now. To try to get our readers a sense of of how businesses in Michigan are are quickly adapting to an ever-changing landscape, um, my my guest this week on the podcast is, is Jerry Anderson. He's executive chair Chairman of DTE Energy and Chairman of Business Leaders for Michigan, and he's here to talk about an initiative that uh, that that DTE is doing, or excuse me, that he is doing through BLM uh, to try to help better coordinate the response among the business community. Jerry, thanks a lot for joining us here today. Oh, happy to be with you, Chad. So, tell us a little bit about what you're working on. Um, well, maybe I'll give you a little background. Sure. So, at this past Friday, I was on a Business Leaders for Michigan a call of CEOs uh, to discuss the coronavirus response and compare notes. And what I picked up was that there was a real spread in companies' readiness for this. Uh, the international companies who had experienced this in China or Italy or Spain um, had had more lead time and, and their responses were more well-developed. But companies uh, who were being hit more cold uh, were less ready, and that struck me as a problem. I was on a electric industry call later in the day where companies across uh, the nation were comparing notes, and it was really good. And on that call, somebody from Seattle, where this coronavirus hit hard first, said that the businesses there had had uh, gathered together to coordinate their response and that it was really helpful. And so it felt like after that series of calls, uh, what we needed to do in Michigan was what they were doing out west. And so I called Doug Rothwell at BLM and said, you know, Doug, I think the most useful thing we can do is to coordinate our business community around this and make sure we have a uniformly strong response out of Michigan's major businesses. And so uh, we began to reach out to CEOs of Michigan companies uh, over the weekend, and there was not a single major company CEO who said no to the coordination effort. What we decided to do was form a core group of about a dozen companies, and we were looking for the companies that were were large and had resources and were highly sophisticated uh, in their response. We wanted quite a few who had overseas experience, uh, and the idea with those 12 companies was to quickly exchange information and boil down to best practices uh, in responding to this. So that core group in, includes companies like Lear and Steelcase and GM and Dow and uh, Henry Ford Health Systems, who's very important uh, in this whole discussion, Quicken Loans, Meyer, Stryker, Barton Mallow, uh, DTE, of course, and there are a couple of other uh, companies in the mix as well. And uh, by Monday, 
uh, we had our first coordinating call. So we kind of stirred this up on Friday. And by Monday, we had uh, the 12 companies uh, and really their COVID-19 response leaders, the person at their company responsible for uh, their uh, uh, coordination uh, of response. We had them together and we spent nearly two hours sharing our best practices uh, in detail. And then we also had Bob Riney from Henry Ford Health Systems. So Bob is coordinating the Michigan Hospital Association uh, response team. And Bob gave us a very good update from the medical community. And then Jeff Donofrio, uh, who is the governor's director of labor and economic opportunity, um, is working this very, very hard. He and his team are. Jeff is a member of this core team as well, and he gave an update of all initiatives that uh, the governor and her team have in motion. And so what we did with that then was by Tuesday morning early, uh, we had pulled together a call with about 50 more uh, business leaders from Michigan companies and their uh, response leaders uh, around coronavirus. And we cascaded those best practices to the 50 companies. And then we also heard from them uh, what they're struggling with and what they need more help with. And finally, our next step was to reach out on behalf of business leaders uh, of Michigan to other leaders of important business associations across the state. So we we reached out to the State Chamber and Rich Studley and Small Business Association of Michigan and Brian Kelly and the Michigan Manufacturers Association and John Walsh and the Detroit Regional Chamber and Sandy Barua and the Grand Rapids Chamber and Rick Baker because we know that they touch a lot of businesses that the BLM does not and we receive just very quick agreement from each of them to coordinate our efforts and share information and best practices. And I just have to say it was really a, a great spirit of cooperation across the group. And so in a matter of days, the, uh, the business community broadly was, was able to connect and begin to put in motion a process to make sure that our response to this is just as good as it, it can be. Jerry, what are some of the main top issues that these businesses are facing um, as they're having to quickly adapt to this ever-changing environment right now? You know, as as we listened to that first call of the 12 companies, I would say that things kind of fell into two buckets. One was things that companies already had in place and were broadly being implemented. Uh, so, for example, travel bans. Everybody had moved on travel bans of various sorts, and we compared notes on how those were evolving. Work from home. Everybody was uh, having employees who could work from home do that to the maximum degree possible. Visitor restrictions. There were notes compared on how to restrict visitors to facilities and do that in a real distance, uh, a real uh, disciplined way. <clears throat> Social distancing uh, was another topic that everybody talked about, and ranging from meeting sizes to how to get some of our younger employees or maybe some of our employees who feel they're not so vulnerable to this to really take this seriously. Uh, because they, they have the potential to be carriers. There are also practical things like what to do with food services. And the basic message was, you know, shut down anything that looks like a buffet and go to just grab and go. So yeah. those those were the sorts of things that everybody had already moved on. But then there were things that 
that people were, I'd say, earlier in. So people were struggling with what protocols do we use to trigger a facility shutdown? When is when is it uh, appropriate to say all activity facilities shut? And and so we compared notes on that, particularly with people who had thought this through uh, overseas in China or in Italy. Uh, and the, the practice is varied, so we're putting together a team now to, to bring some uniformity to that. <clears throat> Another topic that got a lot of discussion was cleaning protocols. So when you have a confirmed case, uh, what are really good disciplined industrial cleaning practices? Uh, and we shared notes on those. Another topic was um, screening of employees, and particularly temperature screening. Yep. So people like would like to use that, but um, frankly, at the time at least, there was a shortage of, of thermometers or other technologies that could be used to do that. And so uh, we were working through some of those issues. You know, an interesting topic, Chad, that came up, um, was messaging. And this particularly came from companies with overseas operations. And, and what they said was this, um, when the number of confirmed cases spikes, it is going to be really vital that we have clear, calm, accurate messaging uh, because people become afraid. Um, and what we need is, is good medical information in their hands and help them to understand that this is really a product of testing and that knowing the cases is better not worse yeah and just keep keep the information flowing because you know people with without the right information can become worried and worry can can lead to um, sort of a panic and so th- this is a topic that maybe got more emphasis than than any other well, your your company uh, did have two cases, right? Just in the last day, um, uh, we we have three total now three within total the company. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And have they? How have they, how have you communicated that to your employees and workforce? In uh, each each time we have one of these, we're we're quite transparent and communicating uh, that we've had an incident and where it was and how we're responding. <clears throat> so I I think like. Um, most companies, uh, when we do have a confirmed incident, uh, the protocol is to either take the facility or the portion of the facility that uh, where you had the incident and evacuate it and do a, a rigorous cleaning. And then you do what's called contact tracing, where you carefully understand who the employee uh, has had contact with yep. and, and uh, chase that through and uh, quarantine the employees who have had contact and and then with with those steps carefully taken and for a company like ours in particular you know we need to come back into operation because we provide a a vital service that everybody is depending on us to provide now sure. so so that's our protocol okay so you and and you've taken that in these three cases uh, and I imagine you are now sharing this information with the the larger BLM group about how how you how you responded or how you recommend responding well we can share it uh, but I will tell you that that we actually benefited from the thinking of companies who had seen this up to a month ago uh, as this emerged early in their overseas operations so 
Uh, every company will tell you that when they first encountered this, they were responding sort of communicate by communicate, just learning as they went. But yeah. then some of those companies have been able to step back and essentially assemble all of that learning into detailed books of instructions. And that's what we're sharing with other companies because, you know, if you're being slammed by this, you don't necessarily have the time to put that together. But some of the overseas operators have taken the time to do that, and, and that's really valuable to other companies. So we're, we're uh, sort of redacting those uh, and then posting them on a business leaders uh, for Michigan site yep. um, and so that other companies can access that learning. Yeah, those those companies, I mean, I could, I could probably guess like General Motors and and Dow uh, are those those couple of the ones that have overseas operations that already kind of have been experiencing this for months now. Well, you, you, if you think about the list that that I uh, gave you earlier, so Lear has got operations all yeah. over the world, right? And uh, Steelcase has operations all over the world. Certainly, uh, GM and Dow do, as you said. Yeah. Uh, so yes, and uh, actually, Herman Miller is a is a company that um, is is proven to be quite sophisticated in this due to their overseas operations as well. So, yeah, the ones that the ones that have been dealing with it for a while are up the curve further. So, and because of that, you were you were able to draw on their 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 experiences, and they they have contributed willingly. They yeah, have, uh, they have all understood that how well we respond jointly in Michigan will define Michigan's experience. So, everybody is busy and focused on the needs of their own company. But I've really been encouraged by how willing leaders are to carve time away to to also spend some time on the broader good. Yeah. Okay. Well, with that with that in mind, and just in the last twenty four hours, you have the the president talking about sort of shaping this as a war response. Um, General Motors and Ford have said they're looking into uh, whether they can produce certain medical equipment, repurpose plants, and very arsenal democracy type um, change. Is is that being discussed uh, at the high level in these meetings right now? It did come up in the meeting. We had a call yesterday with all of BLM CEOs, and that topic uh, did come up. And uh, and so we uh, essentially put in motion uh, communications about a willingness uh, to have facilities used for those purposes. Now, of course, what what's needed is specific manufacturing instructions. Sure, uh, and and we need. Uh, you know, very clear instructions from the medical community about what what's actually most critical for them. But you're beginning to see movement to marry those two things up. Yeah, I mean, Stryker um, is obviously one of the companies that's um, you know, making a lot of this equipment. Uh, but it, it, it seems to me would be challenging for a steel case or Herman Miller to go from making desks uh, to, to ventilators uh, overnight. Well, that's for ventilators. Uh, that's probably true. Um, so, those require very specific manufacturing instructions and potentially specific machinery. And now, that some companies can stand that up uh, in a relative hurry, but there are other potentially other simpler things uh, that that hospitals could use to have manufactured. So, masks, for example. Um, 
be able to be as efficient as mask manufacturers could be, but uh, that's not as complex if you can get your hands on the appropriate materials. Yeah. And there may be, there may be, for example, ways uh, that ventilators can serve multiple patients, but they would need some fairly, I won't say simple, but things that um, sophisticated specialty manufacturing operations uh, could produce if they were given the instructions to do it. So we're investigating that. Uh, not yet clear how important a role that'll play, but people are willing. Uh, Jerry, what would be your advice to a small business person right now who may just have seen contracts canceled or, or, or stopped? Uh, what what uh, what advice did you have for them for uh, business survival at this point right now? Well, one of the things that's become clear to me listening to the other business associations and their leaders is that it really is in the small business world that this is being felt hardest and where things are most threatening. Uh, as, as you know, there are just a lot of smaller businesses that don't have the cushion that, that some of the larger businesses do. And so as government moves... Uh, in many ways, getting liquidity to small and mid-sized businesses is a really big deal. Mm -hmm. So one of the first pieces of advice I would have is pay very close attention uh, to what's coming out from the state of Michigan in particular. Uh, listen to Jeff Donofrio, uh, who is the, the director of the Department of Labor and Economic Opportunity. Jeff is trying to come out with very specific instructions uh, to those mid-sized and smaller businesses that that they can make use of. So, for example, uh, there was a communique that came out yesterday on, you know, look, if you feel you need to furlough employees, here are some specific instructions about how to do that that will serve you best. And it's important that people do that in the right way so that they can efficiently make use of uh, the state aid programs and the federal aid programs. But if they go about it the wrong way, they may put themselves in a complicated process. So it was actually a, a communique that came out yesterday uh, from the State Department. We've got it posted on the BLM site that people should go to for good legal advice on, on how to deal with their employees if they have to. Okay. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add about about this initiative and just or also just how, how, how DTE is, is, is adapting? You're obviously still delivering electricity and, and gas every day. No, it's our employees understand fully uh, that if there were ever a time that what we do is important, that time is now. And I think in many ways our people take great pride in the role they can play now uh, in, in providing a vital service to other people. From a discipline standpoint, uh, Jerry Narcia and the team of leaders at DT uh, are taking all the steps we need to take to be sure that we're positioned to do that. So, for example, we've got critical areas like uh, the, our system operations centers and our power plant control rooms, and Jerry and the team are setting up redundancy. Uh, so we've got teams actually split off and sequestered uh, so that they're fully healthy in case we had an issue with uh, you know the team currently operating so we're taking uh, important steps like that we're also just working hard to to keep our employee base uh, as healthy as possible because uh, we're a business that has to be on 24 7 in order for everybody else to keep going sure. the only other thing i'd say you know in terms of general advice is um, 
Look, how well Michigan deals with this crisis, I believe, depends first on on the mindset of each of its 10 million citizens. And we all need to respond with calm discipline. The second thing that the quality of Michigan's response depends upon is the continuing leadership of our governor and her administration and community leaders who are working with her. And I will tell you that they are working around the clock, uh, and I think they're doing a lot of the right things. So uh, we we are cheering them on. But third, a distinctive, strong response by our state's business community and business leaders is really, really important. And we all need to share and adopt best practices and work with each other. We need to communicate clearly and calmly to our employees. Uh, that's maybe the most critical message uh, from overseas operators. Uh, we need to deal with this as a health emergency uh, for sure, but we also need to prepare to keep our companies moving. And that's obvious for DTE, but you know the health of our economy uh, needs to be restored too. We need to get it back on its feet as fully and as quickly as we can, because if we don't, there is just a lot of secondary harm apart from the health crisis that is going to come to the most vulnerable. And so there's a lot at stake in our business community just bearing down on this together and and producing a great response. Jerry, thanks a lot for joining me on my podcast today. I really appreciate it. Uh, We've been talking with uh, Jerry Anderson, Executive Chairman of DTE Energy and the Chairman of Business Leaders for Michigan. Uh, Thanks a lot, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk again soon. Yeah, I appreciate it, Chad.